Well, all you beautiful people, it's wonderful to be together. Just one, one fortnight hiccup, that was all, and we're back again. That's great. Incidentally, just before we move ahead in this section, did you all receive a little card like this? If not, Jan and... Uh, uh, yeah. Jan and Pam, they'll make sure you get one if you want to wave your hand in the air. And they're in the foyer, I think. Oh, quite a number haven't got them. Well, just as they come through the aisles, just put your hand up when they come, hey? That's great, because we'll need one of these if we can. Great. Well, imagine for a moment you were a member of a devout Jewish family during the earthly ministry of Jesus. Just imagine that for a moment. Together with the family, you observed the, the Jewish rituals. You attended all the required religious festivals in Jerusalem and you rigorously tried to obey the Ten Commandments plus all the other numerous religious laws imposed by the religious leaders of the day. And back behind all that, as a devoted Jew, you you had the concept that because you were one of the children of Israel, hence a descendant of Father Abraham, you were accepted by God by privilege and obedience to the requirements of the religious laws. And that's where you placed your faith. That's what you were brought up to believe. That was where you placed your faith. Now, according to the Hebrew scriptures, which the Jews had, you looked, of course, to the coming of a promised Messiah, which in the Greek is Christ, anointed of God. But they interpreted his appearing as a sort of a, a shining night to secure the fortunes of Israel. Many are still looking for him today, waiting for his arrival. So that's the context. You're settled in that, you're comfortable in it, nothing's ever shaken it, and that's where you are in your faith journey. Then, enter the Lord Jesus, Son of God, born into a humble Jewish family, living amongst them. Then at 30 years of age, beginning a public ministry, declaring good news that through his life and death and his resurrection, he was providing forgiveness of sin. Oh no, only God can forgive sin. Your mind would be saying, 
not a person like this Jesus. But he claimed to provide forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God, not through religious rituals per se, not through even the best of human works, but through faith alone in himself who came as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. That would blow your foundations. Well, what would you do? If you were steeped in that background, what you, would you do with a Messiah, the Christ, like that? If you were confronted with this, the Messiah, what would you do with Jesus? Or put another way, what do we do, be we Jews or Gentiles, when confronted with the news, the good news of Jesus as Lord and Saviour? Because when you think of it, the decision concerning the Lord Jesus is just as big for the Jews as it is for the non-Jews, is it not? The decision is just as big for us today with our backgrounds, our preconceived ideas, and then we're confronted with the Christ, the atoning sacrifice for sin. But, 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 the law and the rituals and we're confronted with Christ who gave his life a ransom for sin to bring us into a right relationship with Christ. It's revolutionary and yet the Jews who had their Hebrew scriptures like in your Old Testament all the way through, it pointed to a lamb that would be slain for the sins of the world. Isaiah says it, other passages in the Old Testament, but they couldn't see. Well, it is a big decision for any of us to say, yes, Jesus is Lord. He died for me. He rose again to give me new life in himself and to make me right with God through his righteousness alone, not mine, but his. And we receive that gift by faith in our hearts. Now, Saul of Tarsus agonized over that one when as a revered Jewish scholar, and leader, steeped in his religious tradition, he vehemently rejected the claims of Christ 
and even, as we know, led a campaign to destroy believers in the Lord Jesus. But it was not until, by God's grace, he had a dramatic encounter with the risen Christ that his eyes were opened to the truth that salvation is by faith alone in the crucified, risen Lord Jesus. And he was saved, he was converted, he was made new by the Holy Spirit. And he spent the rest of his life until his martyrdom, declaring salvation alone through faith in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He said, I'll give my life in declaring this to the world. It's so precious, so wonderful, so free. Justification by faith in Christ alone. Isn't that wonderful? When Saul of Tarsus, who became, of course, the great apostle Paul after his conversion, when he's writing in the 10th chapter, now you wonder what's the card got to do with this morning? We're getting there. Writing in the 10th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, his voice, we can almost hear his voice choking with emotion as he writes in that chapter. The first verse, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. You've got to read verse 1 of Romans 10 like that. Verse 2. Paul recognises that they were religiously zealous, but they did not understand that righteousness, right standing with God, is only through faith in Christ. And then he keeps writing into verse 3 talking about the Jews, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own. Well, we do, don't we, if we don't know where to find it? They believed it to be in their religious practices and trying to fulfill the requirements of the law, working their way to God somehow. Then in verse 4, Paul continues writing. He explains that in Christ, the law which was good was completely fulfilled. He's the only one, Jesus is the only one who fulfilled all the requirements of the law. So then that there is a righteousness available in Jesus to everyone who believes in him. That's what Paul writes. 
Dear ones, we'll never be righteous enough before God. Our righteousness, praise God, is in Jesus. Oh, that is a relief. That is a blessed relief. All our sins laid on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of all in the world who come to him by faith. By the time we get to verse 6, Paul continues writing, his pen going flat out, feather fluttering, you know, at the end of his whatever he wrote with. Don't fall into the trap, he says, of saying, I must somehow, by human effort, start um, climbing up to heaven to find this righteousness. Must be up there somewhere. Or alternative, no, I must dig down deeper, deeper into the depths. That I might find it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I can't find it. You know, that method of seeking righteousness will exhaust you with spiritual confusion. The fact of the matter is, our righteousness is not something we have to search for nor work to attain. Paul says the word of righteousness is right here for acceptance, both then and right here this morning. It's here. Isn't that wonderful? You can come into here or wherever. And the good news is the word of righteousness in Christ alone. That's the gospel, the good news. So now with that in mind, that the word is right here. In fact, Paul says, well, we'll find out in a moment. If you would take your cards for a moment and we'll read on from this point, bearing in mind the word of righteousness is here. Now we're going to read this together. Here it is. Let's read. This is the Apostle Paul continuing to write from verse 9. <laughs> Could we read it together? I think that would be a good exercise. Let's do that. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in Jesus will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, everyone, everyone. When we get to the end of chapter 10, right at the very end of that wonderful chapter, this is what Paul writes. He's actually quoting scripture from the Old Testament when he writes this. All day long, this is about the Lord. All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. This is the Lord speaking. It's being quoted from way back in Psalm 62. And Paul's making this statement about the Lord's pleading, not only for Israel, but for us this morning. All day long, I've held out my hands to you. And they're still outstretched. They're still outstretched. I praise God he touched me. Many of you here today can say, praise God he touched me. And once I saw, I ran into his arms. And now I declare, Jesus is Lord. Isn't that beautiful? John Stott makes this comment about that passage. God actively holds out his hands to Israel and us. Like a parent inviting a child to come home, offering a hug and a kiss and promising a welcome, so God has opened and stretched out his arms to his people and has kept them continually outstretched all day long, pleading with them to return. But he received no response. Well, might I say, there's a response in the house today, right here, is there not? So, we're going to take a little time out. I'm going to come down to the lower level because I'm sure many of you would just love to stand and testify to the fact that there was a day or a night in your life or maybe over a period of time when your eyes were open 
and you saw, you understood the good news, and you ran into the arms of Jesus. And today, your righteousness only comes through being in Christ. You understand that, and you rejoice in it. We are passing on to eternity on the basis of that, into the glories of his eternal immediate presence. Wouldn't it be good to have a few testimonies around the place? Now, I realise there'll be some of us who are anxious to get up immediately and even preach a sermon. Well, bless your hearts. I've spoken for long enough. But I'm just talking about a brief. Yes, there was a time in my life when the Lord opened my eyes. You can even say what part of the world you're in when that happened. And what he means to you now as you declare with your lips, Jesus is your Lord. Hey, while I'm coming down, let's sing a little song. Be still and know that I am God. Can I take this one down with me, brother? Full heart. Thank you, bro. I'll come down and let's sing that little song together. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Yeah, thank you. Okay, Jenny, you come along. And when Jenny gives us the lead in and fill, then I'll be down. Place my trust in thee, O Lord. Do I place my trust in thee, O Lord? Do I place my trust in thee, O Lord? Do I place my trust? Well, now, the idea is simply, if you have it on your heart, you just want to declare your praise to the Lord that he saved you and that you've come to trust him as your Lord. If you just stand where you are or wave your hand, and there are folks with microphones who will come to you, and uh, now we will press the buzzer after 30 minutes, so it's just a few moments. Thank you, sister. Do you want to? Thank you. We'll go straight on. Hello? Oh. Yes. Good. Hello. And I was seven years old when I knelt at my bed with my dad and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I grew up in a Christian home and I was so blessed to have that. But I was 26 when I was sitting in a service in the um, City Hall in Brisbane, and um, 
I, I just suddenly became aware that Jesus, Jesus died for my sin and it changed my life. I believe then that was I, I became a Christian then. I knew that Jesus had died for me, not just for the whole world, but for me. And I praise him for his goodness and his love and his patience and his kindness to, towards me. He is my Lord. Praise God. Praise God. I was 10 when um, I gave my heart to the Lord. And I know like I know like I know that he is my Lord. Praise God. From that time on, I've been blessed with a beautiful heritage from God of a family that have loved God and know God and have served God over the years. And I thank God for the times that he has allowed me to present himself as Lord um, to others as well. I haven't led many people to the Lord, but I've had the opportunity just to live God before people. And I know in my workplace, which I've just retired from, thank God, <laughs> um, that the kids and the staff in the schools that I've taught at have known that Jesus is my Lord. Praise God. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Hello. Um, I was a teenager and I was in a foster home and I had a very turbulent childhood. I didn't have family and I'd never had a home and I didn't go to school. Um, anyway, I had a Christian social worker and I didn't speak. I stopped speaking from the age of eight or nine years old. And he got me to write and I would write poetry and later I would start to write about some of my feelings. And I knew he was a Christian. I knew, um, I knew he was someone who was serious about his faith. I knew he sat in the gutter with other people who were in the gutter of life and I couldn't fathom him. I couldn't work him out because I wasn't speaking. I was offering him nothing, but he was offering me um, acceptance. And anyway, he arranged for me to go in to a foster home. And up until this point, I had never heard about God or Jesus. I had never been in a church. This foster home was very strange to me, just to sleep in a bed and to have normal things where a man of the house went to work and he came home each day. And the woman in the house actually cooked a meal and washed clothes. Anyway, they were Christians, and I went to church with them um, once, 
But they had this thing that when they went out in the car, they would bow their heads and they would pray and ask Jesus to keep them safe. And that started to rattle me because I thought these people, they, they think that God is real. They think that Jesus is real. And I also thought well, the social worker was a good man. These people were good, um, brought up in church, had gone to church all their lives. What hope was there for me? Because I didn't even know my father, who he was. And um, I didn't have anything good in my life. And I thought that, um, that you know, what good was there for me? And one day I, I ran away and the social worker found me and he said, what do you think you're doing? You're blowing, blowing everything, you know. And I remember I had just started to speak and I said, it's okay for you, you're a Christian. And he said, what do you think a Christian is? And I said, someone good like you someone who goes to church every Sunday. And he said, he told me in a verse, um, well, two verses, but one verse that hit home, for God so loved the world. Um, <laughs> it's my favorite verse and I've just had a mental blank. For God so loved the world, gave his, yes, that whosoever should believe um, and have eternal life, I think. Anyway, um, he said to me, Who's, whosoever? I said, everyone. And he said, are you a whosoever? And I said, yes, yes, I am. And so he left me with that verse, and he said, I don't want to force you, but, you know, you, you pray to God. And, and I did. I didn't really trust people. I thought eventually he'd see who I was and walk away, this man. Anyway, um, and I remember I said to God, God, if you're real um, and if you say that, that if, if, you are, if this is true, I'm believing in you. I'm having faith in you. I'm putting in my faith in you. Make something good of my life, I give you whatever my life is and what it will be. And this social worker had also said to me, if you make a decision, you must tell three people, three people that you don't know. So I rang the pastor of this church, who I think didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> and when the lady came home at the house, I told her, and um, um, probably her husband when he came home. I think the third person you told was this whole group here today. <laughs> no, and no, this praise isn't, God. We, this isn't the third person. Write it for no. us. <laughs> write your story, sister. We'd many of us would love to read it. Could you write your story about how you came to love the Lord Jesus. 
and he's given you a voice to be able to declare it today. Oh, that's just, I think we should that's Thanks, sister. No, I just wanted to say sorry. I know I've talked a long time. Um, but Jesus really met me. Yes. And it was a transformation. And I also said to him, Lord, um, if you give me, um, give me the opportunities, I will tell people because I, I didn't know this. And I know now and if you give me the words and the Holy Spirit, then I will tell whoever. And that happened. That has happened, and it happens today. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes, there's somebody right. Be yeah. Keep it isn't, brief, isn't sister. It? Yes, I will. <laughs> you can't believe it. I can. <laughs> um, isn't it amazing how our Lord puts things into our minds and hearts at unexpected times? This morning when I was driving over, I was thinking of the person that led me to the Lord. And here is my opportunity to tell you. I was a churchgoer and I believed in God, but I wasn't a Christian. And Kay Arthur came to Australia in Brisbane and I was invited to one of her meetings. And from that day on... I gave my Lord to the my life to the Lord, and He's been with me on this journey ever since. Praise God! Praise God! Is there anybody else? Maybe you've never had opportunity along the course of life to just affirm this in your heart. Think. Hmm? I'll just say, I had to go back to the home of my birth. Um, I went on a teacher exchange. I actually went and lived in the same street that my husband and I had our first child in. Um, and it was the Church of England school. And there were lots of people on staff who wanted me to go to their church. And this lady said, would you come to my Baptist church? And I thought, mm, okay. And I was invited to go to the most amazing home group and so many wonderful things happened through that and the Lord gave me Psalm 139 which was, I had a difficult time at school um, so the Lord gave me that Psalm which I've clung to and um, yeah, I had some amazing experiences and just here I am. So many years later, and it's been a wonderful journey. Wonderful. Is there a man in the house? <laughs> You'll keep it brief, brother, won't you? Thank you, Laurie. I was brought up in a Christian home. I was a Christian home, brought up in a Christian home, lovely Christian parents. At the age of nine, my mother died, and that tore us apart. Nevertheless, my dad was very strong in Christian fellowship in a, in a brethren church. You might know and heard of them. They've got the faith and they preach Christianity. Yes. Ye must be born again. Yes. When we think about the trials in the world today, how can we not consider there is a God? 
Thank you, Trevor. I could go on, but I won't. Wonderful. I am on my way to heaven. I hope you all join me. <laughs> Wonderful. Just let us know what part of heaven you live in and we'll call over and see you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Is there another man that just wants to declare Jesus is Lord? Yes, thank you, brother. That's beautiful. I always get a bit emotional, but um, I, I came to the Lord through Boys Brigade. Yes. Um, and um, my captain, uh, he's not alive anymore, but he died recently. Uh, last year, and I just say praise God for him because if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would have come to where I am today. Praise God. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Is there another gentleman? I'm watching the time. It's not quite lunchtime yet. Hello. I grew up in an era where living a good life wasn't difficult. And um, I went to Sunday school and uh, I believed that I, if, if I knew that there was a God in this life, that was all I needed to do and I just lived the good life and I didn't break laws and things like that. Sadly, that was the way I had come to understand Christianity. And, um, but I, I was going to a church that just sadly... Uh, there were problems and there were things that just didn't add up for me, even though I didn't understand, really understand Christianity. And at the age of 18, I left that church. And I decided that I was going to be a Christian outside of church. I wasn't going to go to church again anymore, but I could live the life to be a good Christian, as I thought. And, um, well, I, I, just to quickly get to the fact that I was 40 when I finally did find the Lord because I had the most beautiful Christian neighbour who was like very mother-like to me and we went out, did lots of things together. She prayed for me all the time in my family and uh, I, was, I would listen to her and let her tell me, quote scripture, she was just amazing and I would then just, you know, let it go until... I really know that her prayers were working and I had lunch with her one day in her home. And uh, I came to know the Lord in such a way mm. and, and I gave my heart to him and she was, it was just the most amazing thing. And, I, and when That's I went cool. home, all I had to do was go across the road. But I, I just sailed across the road. I just was, <laughs> I don't even remember footsteps going across. It was just the most beautiful experience yeah. and since then of course God has been uh, everything to me oh that's wonderful you know yes indeed that's beautiful I know we could go on and on through the morning but our time's pretty well spent but I guess there's folk here this morning who have just come to this knowledge in the last few years now, we haven't time to spend um, more time sharing this morning. I wish we could. We'll just stay on. But I pray, tell someone that you've come to love Jesus. 
tell Joan, tell Jan, tell Jeanette, tell other Christians you know, Merv and Jan and, and Edwin and there's Christians all over the place here and just tell them, I've come to trust Jesus as my saviour. We'll rejoice with you. I just wondered, Phil, if we might just sing, and Jenny and the others, he is Lord, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you have not yet come to Jesus and you want to today, he's here. The word of righteousness is right here. Come, we've got a lovely little Bible pack here which will help you along the way and there are those who'd love to pray with you. Just come to the front seat at the close of the service. I think this old song is just so fitting. Perhaps we could stand, shall we, as we honour our Lord and Saviour. He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, he is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord, just bow in his presence and uh, father we just want to say thank you for your great grace that we've been reminded of this morning lord it's such a relief to know that we don't have to try and impress you we don't have to try and do a whole heap of good things in order to earn our way into heaven the only thing we've earned is hell but the wages because the wages of sin are death but the free gift the free gift, that which we don't have to earn, is eternal life in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, with full hearts, glad hearts, we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior. He is our Lord. We wouldn't want to be under any other dictatorship or lordship, but just Jesus and him only, because we're going to spend eternity with him. And 10,000 years will be just like a day. But we thank you, Lord, for your great love, your tremendous love, your unconditional love that we are the recipients of. We, your word says that you have lavished your, lavished your love upon us so that we could become your children. Oh, we're so grateful, Lord. We're ever grateful. 
and we bless you. We thank you from the very depths of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just remember, if you would like prayer for anything, please come down the front and we'll pray with you.